It is an age-old question that has not lost relevance even in our postmodern culture. The tension that each Christian has to wrestle with is, should we obey God or the state? The question for you in this podcast is, when is it right, when is it wrong to disobey the government? Now, the obvious answer is somewhere in the middle, but the temptation is always to push toward the edges of of the two options. On one side, you have the camp that wants more and more governmental authority and control over our lives, and then in the other camp, you want no government at all. Well, probably not that extreme, though I suppose there are some folks who are that way, but definitely less governmental control. Some of our responses to this question can be subjective and sometimes heated. In this episode, I'm going to wade into these waters because of where we are in our country. Most specifically, the government has come down on us, uh, on Christians specifically. Well, they've come down on everyone, but in one in one particular area, the government says that we cannot gather in our local church buildings, and we have not been doing that over the past month, and it has it has brought this argument, this old argument, back to the surface again, and, and people are having to think about it, and it's new for some folks because for those especially who live in America, they have been living quite well, and there's been very little discussion about obeying or disobeying the government because, well, of all the freedoms that we have enjoyed and this wonderful life in this prosperous land. But the times are a-changing, and now we're, we're at this question that many people have wrestled through, especially those in persecuted countries. They have wrestled through this before, and, and they live in ways that is really hard for us to imagine. But here we are. This is episode 236. I am Rick Thomas. You are listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I have been asked this question on more than one occasion over the past month, and it has been a topic of discussion. And so I thought, well, I might as well address it because it is that relevant And it's that crucial that we land the plane on the question. And so I titled the podcast, The Subject Matter, it is, When Is It Right and Wrong to Disobey the Government? You can read everything that I'm going to share with you in episode 236, 236. The familiar passage about responding to governments is Romans 13, 1 through 7. I'll not read that to you, though it's linked here, and you can most definitely look it up. But typically when people talk about submitting to authorities, governmental authorities, they always cite Romans 13, 1 through 7. It is it is an excellent passage of Scripture written by Paul, and it will serve you well to study what Paul says about submitting to authorities. Submission is something that the human community struggles with, no matter who is the authority. Paul addresses in his passage the reasons that we should submit to our ruling governments. He says that to submit, you are submitting to the Lord. Now, that is vital to know. 
Paul was not naive. He he knew the government is not the be-all, end-all, and we also know that there were times in Paul's life where he did not submit, and it landed him in multiple prisons. And so we are to submit according to Paul, and but we also, according to what Paul said in Romans, but but we need to make sure that we understand that submitting, ultimately everybody is submitted, even the government. There is an ultimate authority, and that ultimate authority is not the state, but it is the Lord God Almighty. Now, of course, this expectation of submission does raise the question about absolute governing authorities, whether it's the government, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your parents. And I've been asked on all three fronts. I'm addressing the government issue in this podcast, but I've also addressed the issue about submission in marriage. That is the husband leading the home and the wife submitting to the husband. And does he have absolute authority? No, he does not. And I have a link here if you want to read about that. And then we've, I've had multiple children ask me over the years about submitting to parents. And typically they're asking that question after they have left the home and they get hung up over this idea of honoring their parents, uh, even though their parents are doing and saying things that are not in line with the Scripture. And I have an article here that you can read about that. And so there are multiple governing authorities because, well, we're, we're called to be submitted people. The one correct answer as far as submission is concerned is that no human, no human, no entity has supreme power over another. Every entity and human being is submitted to God, which means there are times when you may have to disagree with the authority that you are submitted to, and you have to do that for conscience' sake. So I do commend to you Romans 13, 1 through 7, but the passage that I want to look at, that I'm going to look at in this podcast, is Peter's take on this idea of submission. And the passage, there's two passages specifically that I'm going to join together. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, and then 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. I will share 5, 6 through 11 with you in just a moment. But in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, we are told to subject ourselves to, quote, every human institution whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors. And Peter goes on to state that this is, quote, the will of God. And then he makes this statement, quote, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And then he closes this section in 1 Peter 2. He closes it by saying we we must do these four things. One, we must honor everyone. Two, we must love the brotherhood. Three, we must fear God. And then number four, only to complicate matters, he says, honor the emperor. 
And so he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. His appeals can come across as four bumper cars racing to the middle of the arena as one dominates the other. It seems like you can't do all four of these things at the same time. And you have a similar tension with children who are to honor their parents but their parents are asking them to do ungodly things. And there's that, there's two bumper cars right there. My parents are asking me to do ungodly things, and, and I want to honor them. Now, somehow we have to work through this where we can hold all these things in balance and be right with God. Each child has to learn how to honor and disagree at the same time. And so Peter gives us some advice on how to do exactly that as he continues his submission theme in his letter. Now, if you are living in the tension of honoring and submitting in the context of this podcast, I mean, you could apply this to honoring your parents and submitting to them and disagreeing with them. But in this podcast, I'm talking about honoring the emperor, honoring the government, submitting to the government and balancing this out in the fear of God and loving the brotherhood. And so if you are struggling this way, then what I would appeal to you to do is to listen carefully take notes. In fact, I would love it if you would use this episode as a study guide for you personally, for your family, for your small group. It would be really helpful for local churches, for small groups of folks to get together and to study out this episode with these show notes that I have for you. So let me read 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. I have highlighted some words I'm not going to mention those words as I read through it, but I'm going, I have pulled all, all of them out. There's 11 of them all together. And, and it, there's a sequence here that Peter is communicating in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, and, and we will carefully walk through that sequence after I share the passage uh, with you. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, he says this, "'Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God.'" so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So you humble yourselves before the, the mighty hand of God, and at the proper time, at some point, time, some point in the future, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Next sentence. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Next sentence. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. After you have suffered a little while, the the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I call this Peter's 11-step sequence to, to humility and submission to governmental authorities. He has already said in 1 Peter 2, 
13 and 17, 13 through 17, that we are to subject ourselves to every human institution, that we are to honor the emperor. He's very similar to Paul in this matter of, of the government and governmental authority. And then as he moves on in his submission theme throughout 1 Peter, when he gets to 5, chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, he tells us how to live our lives. And so what I want you to do is I have, I have some questions for you. And as you ask these questions, or answer these questions, you can examine yourself to see how well you are doing under this present condition of submitting to the governmental authorities, specifically with this call not to gather in our local church buildings. And so this is Peter's 11-step sequence, and it is vital that before you respond to the government mandate, what they're asking us to do, before you respond outwardly and externally, you better address your heart, because if you don't address your heart well, then you're going to respond unwell. And so in these 11 steps, there are six things that you must do, and then there are five things that God will do and so let's move through them in the order in which Peter presents them. He says, first, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And so the first thing in his sequence, which makes sense, is humility. And so let me ask you, here's the question, as you examine your circumstance, specifically submitted to the government by not meeting as a local church, does humility characterize your heart, your attitude, your words, and your actions? Number two, then he says, casting all your anxieties on him. And so the second step in his 11-step sequence is casting. Are you more tempted to take matters into your own hands or cast them on the Lord. And so you have examined yourself to see if humility characterizes your heart, your attitude, your words, and your actions. I trust it does during this season. Number two, you are casting. You are not taking matters into your own hands, but you're casting your anxieties on the Lord. Number three, he says to be sober-minded and to be watchful. Number three is sobriety. Are you guarding against impulse and other unhelpful emotions, choosing instead to exhibit maturity? Number four is resist, he says. Resist him, the devil, the adversary. Are you keeping the accuser from capturing your thoughts and building strongholds in your mind? Number five, he says, be firm in your faith. I'm using the word stand here. Are you standing? Does your attitude show the first four things that Peter is saying? If you're doing these, four first, four, these first four things well, 
then you are firm in your faith. The first four things are, are you characterized by humility? Are you casting your cares on the Lord? Are you sober-minded, guarding against impulse and other unhelpful emotions? And are you resisting the devil? Well, if you are, then you are firm. You are firm in your faith. You are standing. And then number six, he says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you, he's going to do some things. And so number six is suffer. How are you responding to your suffering? How are you responding through this current season? And so here's the sequence, humility, casting, sobriety, resisting, standing, suffering. That is what you and I are supposed to do. And then as Peter continues this passage, he says this is what God will do. Number one, the God of all grace will restore you. Are you experiencing the restoration of the Lord through suffering? Or are you experiencing the deteriorating effects of your suffering? If you're doing this well, humility, casting, sobriety, resisting, standing, suffering, then you are experiencing the restoration of the Lord. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory will himself restore you. Number two, he will confirm you. To confirm in this, this word means more strength. He's, at, he's giving you more strength. He's adding to your strength. Are you experiencing more strength from the Lord? And then he says he will not only restore you and confirm you by adding to your strength, but then he says he will strengthen you. Is your faith in God experiencing a strengthening because you're following and adhering to Peter's sequence here? And so the effect of him adding to your strength should be you being strengthened. And then number four, he says he will establish you. Even though there is pressure to bend, you're strong. You're established by God. The question is, is this true for you? And then he closes with a doxology. He says, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so the question, or number five is pray, or number 11 here is praise. Even though things are not how you want them, the words that come from your mouth are doxological. Describe your gratitude during this difficult season. So here's the sequence. This should be happening to all of us right now as we are submitting to our government. Humility, casting, sobriety, resisting, standing, suffering, restoring, confirming, strengthening, establishing, and praising. Too often Christians react to the submitting to the government question before they do take careful inventory of their souls as we have just walked through here. And if you do this, if you do react you will not respond well to what is happening in your external life. Nobody will respond well to persecution if they have not completed the necessary heart work first. 
That's why, I mean, the title of the podcast is, When Is It Right and Wrong to Disobey the Government? But before I get into that question, I'm doing the necessary heart work first. And you have to as well, or you will not respond well. Now, perhaps you are struggling with this heart work. Here's my appeal. Will you meet with someone to work through the questions that I've just asked you from Peter's 11-step sequence to submission and honoring the authorities in your life? All the questions that I ask you, which you probably noted, they were closed-ended questions. But what I trust you will do is that you will meet with someone and you will elaborate on these questions, that you will open them up and not just answer yes and no. Don't do that elaborate on these questions, these yes and no questions that I have asked you. It would be helpful for small groups to gather, to work through where each person is with the Lord. I cannot be more concise and clear than this. If you don't address your heart while making appropriate changes, you will adversely affect those around you. Now let's get to the big question There are degrees of difficulty when it comes to submitting to anyone. On one end, somebody asks you to deny your faith. Well, you can't do that. And then at the other end of the spectrum are lesser governmental requirements like speed limits, taxes, property laws, and there are thousands more, unfortunately. I imagine if they were all, if you could put them all in a book, you couldn't carry the book. There are so many governmental laws. The one that has become the point of focus these days is gathering in buildings to meet as a local church. Our governments have asked us not to do this, and the Christian response has been all over the map, as as might be expected. Where do I stand on this? I don't like the request but I'm not rebelling against it. No reasonable Christian would like someone to tell them that they could not assemble in a building. But here we are. Which makes the most crucial assessment is your response to it. Now, here's another question that you could ask yourself, and it would be insightful and instructive to discuss this. Are you exhibiting more faith in God than frustration with civil authorities? To answer the answer to this question, it will reveal the quality of your faith. I am not suggesting that you have to have absolute obedience to the government. Paul and Peter, and I just shared with you what Paul said, paraphrased, in Romans 13, just walk through what Peter said, and they were not naive mainly since there were times when they disobeyed the state. But there's a spectrum here of when you do it and when you don't. And there are several other instances in scriptures where the obey God or man tension was high, which led the followers of God, some of them, to choose to disobey the civil authority. Moses was defiant of Pharaoh, as well documented. Even his mother, there was a precedent in Moses' life, His mother took a similar approach by hiding Moses from the authorities to keep him alive for three months. Daniel chose to disobey because 
He didn't want to go against the dietary laws of Moses. The three Hebrew boys would not bow before the king, even if it cost their lives. Peter would not stop preaching the gospel, even though it would lead to persecution. Paul suffered many imprisonments for preaching Christ crucified as the Savior of the world. The big idea is that Christians should always obey the state unless... The Bible forbids us from doing something. You can't do this. The Bible says you can't do this. And the Bible says you can't do it. And the state says you must do it. Then you can't do it. The second point would be if the Bible commands us to do something. And so on one side, the Bible forbids you from doing it. You can't do it. Or the Bible commands you to do it. You must do it. Do it. Now, the temptation, of course, is to find loopholes in what the Bible teaches because we don't like what someone is asking us to do. I'm like that, and so are you. It's part of our human Adamic nature. And so you must make these decisions carefully, and they must fit within these two categories. Does the Bible forbid us from doing something, or does the Bible command us to do something? The attitude of the Christian should be a willingness to submit to authority, whether it's children to parents, wives to husbands, Christians to governments. And you will if you follow the outline that Peter gives us, that 11-step sequence we just went through. If the Bible does not forbid it or does not command it, you have to address the real issue for your resistance. Perhaps... Let me suggest a few possible heart issues that may be happening with the person that doesn't want to obey this command to not meet. One is, I don't want to change. Well, few folks enjoy change when it's inconvenient or disruptive to their lives. Going to church fits into this category, no question. I don't want to change. Tradition. Number two, I love my freedoms, and so do I. A desire to be free is good as opposed to being in bondage. And then number three, I have preferences. I don't want to change. I love my freedoms. I have preferences. Humans are habitual. We like creating rhythms in our lives that align with our personalities, our agendas, our our hopeful outcomes. I get it. I have preferences. I love my freedoms, and I don't like to change all the time. None of these things have to be wrong, but they are not promises from God's Word. You could apply these three desires to newlyweds. Try that. I don't want to change. I love my freedom. I have preferences, and you know the outcome. They're heading into marriage trouble. I call that business. That creates business for me. The Bible warns about folks who are unchangeable, who crave more freedom and elevate pet preferences. This idea of the concept of going to church, it fits better into the don't want to change, love my freedoms, and pet preferences categories. You cannot make a biblical case for meeting together in a building as a reason to resist the state. You may not like it, but it's a stretch to put it into the God commands it category. Now, I want you to notice what I just said, because some of you will flip out with this. But notice I use the language going to church. Now, that's not language that I use. I don't use that phrase. I don't think you'll find any in the millions of words that I've 
used in, in these podcasts that I've created, you'll hear me, unless I'm putting it in this context, but I don't use that language. I don't say going to church. It's not how I talk about gathering with the church. Biblically speaking, nobody goes to church because we are the church. It's like saying, I'm going to family. You don't say I'm going to family and really ought not say I'm going to church. I'm going to family when you're meeting with your family. But some folks have used this sub-biblical language so often that they equate going to church with gathering as a church. We haven't stopped gathering as a church. Millions of people gathered, millions of, of, of people gathered in their lo- local, with their local churches today. The state has not forbidden us from assembling, but only said we couldn't do it in the traditional way of large meetings in a building. We're still meeting, but differently. When you look at the issue biblically in this instance, you can't obey God and you can't obey the state. There are several reasons we should obey the state in this matter. I'm going to give you just a few. There's probably eight here. Number one, Christians should be model citizens. Number two, Christians should excel in loving God and others more than themselves. Number three, Christians want to be part of the solution, and our governments have asked us to social distance. Number four, Christians don't want to make people sick. Number five, Christians want to show the world how to suffer well. Our message is one of perseverance, endurance, steadfastness, strength through trials. Number six, Christians want to outdo the world in showing honor to the emperor. Number seven, Christians want to spread God's fame through hardship we suffer well. And number eight, Christians want to show God's strength through our weakness. On that point, you may, you may already know this, but many churches have reported record attendance by meeting online as thousands of people are looking for more answers. And some of them are just looking for ways to connect with people because of the social distancing. But the church has become even more of a beacon during this season than what it was a month ago because of what is happening. There's another part to this podcast, but we are out of time. This is episode 236. The question is, when is it right and wrong to disobey the government? You can read the rest of this. And if you want to chat with us, as always, that's what we want you to do. So please come ask your questions. Let's talk. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.